Hello, and welcome to the Untitled Female Driven Podcast. We're three film and TV writers. We're going to talk to you guys about how you can make it as professional writers in the entertainment industry. You know, we learned a lot of things the hard way. Hopefully, this way you guys can learn them the easy way just by listening to us. So I'm Hannah Rosner. I mostly write for TV. I'm Jess Cho. I also mostly write for TV. And I'm Erica Schreiber. I mostly write features. And today we are here to talk about networking. Everyone's favorite activity. Yeah, that's what writers really love is talking to other people. Yes, going up to complete strangers and insisting you meet them and that they will like you. Yeah. Yes, that they'll do stuff for you. Yeah. The best. So networking, to define networking in the uh, auspices of our specific career, it's sort of just interacting with other people, trying to exchange information and developing professional contacts with these people with the purpose of, well, well, hopefully you can be friends with them. But more importantly, it's to see whether or not you can develop a professional relationship with them that will eventually lead to hopefully a job and getting paid. Yeah, a mutually beneficial relationship, ideally, you know, it doesn't always start off that way, especially for writers. When you're meeting people through networking, like it originally starts off with like, how can you help me as a writer? But as you kind of come up together, it becomes how can we help each other? That should always be the end goal. Yeah, it's a mutually beneficial relationship. There are two really big things to focus on in being a professional writer. And one is working really hard to write things that are the best possible things you can write. But if you have no one to share them with and no one to help you, then it's kind of useless. So like these two things are maybe the most important things you can do to write well and network well, because one without the other is useless. And it's it's a difficult thing. Like, I don't know how you guys are with networking. I am a curmudgeon and I don't necessarily like to meet people. And I really feel squiffy about meeting people uh, with the purpose of seeing how they can be helpful to my career. It makes me feel very squiffy. But um, this is a business and screenwriting is heavily reliant on professional relationships, not just to get paid, but also to improve your own craft. Yeah. And I want to back up real quick and ask Jess, you use the word squiffy. I've never Mm. heard this word in my life. What does this mean? (laughs) Squiffy, like it just sort of makes me feel squeamish and gross Mm. and like, I don't like it. Okay, I want to unpack that because now that you've explained it, I kind of got it just from like the onomatopoeia, right? Yeah. Like squiffy. Ooh, I, I'm like I'm <laughs> like squinching my shoulders. It's gross. But like, how can you avoid not just feeling squiffy, but being squiffy in an or more in, importantly, coming across as squiffy? It, that's exactly. Well, I haven't mastered that yet. But when I do, <laughs> I will let you know. For me personally, the way that I've overcome being squiffy and feeling squiffy and coming off as squiffy is just practice, a ton of practice of meeting people, forcing myself to have conversations with them. But my first step that I ever took to feeling less squiffy was I took improv lessons. That is such a good tip. That is one of the best things you can do to improve your social skills for networking and for meetings and for pitching and all those things. Yes. And for me, I also took an improv class. It serves you when you start working in a writer's room, if you're in TV and you're expected to just like pitch your ideas real fast, which you didn't have time to come up with. You might have come up with them like two minutes before they come out of your mouth. So, And that's what improv is. And so having that experience and forcing yourself to be with a bunch of complete strangers and being like, okay, I got something, here goes, that helps you immensely in your career. And when people say improv, I think a lot of people immediately think of something very intense like uh, USB 
or, or UBC, or what's it called? UCB. UCB, <laughs> UCB. <laughs> yes, yes, UCB. I found a little improv class that was mainly business professionals who are trying to loosen up. And finding the right group who, is, who are not looking to do this as a career was a really good way of putting myself at ease because I didn't feel like I had to perform for them. But it's also very difficult to feel super embarrassed about pitching your idea when you have just spent, you know, 30 seconds in front of six strangers pretending to be a baby or something ridiculous. Right. <laughs> is there perhaps a video of this class? <laughs> I burned that. I burned the building down. <laughs> There's no I knew it. In terms of how not to feel squiffy, which is my word of the day, it also comes back to the mutually beneficial thing because like... If you go up to someone, an assistant, an agent, an exec, whoever, a producer, and your sole purpose is just to have them help you, then yeah, you're going to come across as desperate. You're going to come across, you know, unless you're a professional actor and you have those charming, charming skills, which a lot of writers don't have, then you are going to come across as someone who's kind of shady. So like, you need to go into those, and it sucks to have it be like a cold meeting. A lot of times it is. And just be like... I'm here to get to know this person. Do not start with, how can you help me find a job? That's something that most people will offer on their own, by the way. Like if you sit down with an agent or a producer or something like that, and you have a genuine conversation with them, a genuine get to know you, here are my interests, here are your interests, tell me about your kids, tell me about whatever, and you are able to be relaxed and friendly, then they're going to want to help you. You know, you want them to want to help you. And that's never going to happen if you are selfish. Yeah. Totally. Be attentive, be engaged. Just pretend like it's the friend of a friend and you're genuinely interested in getting to know them. That helps a lot. Yeah. yeah. When I was an assistant, this still kind of happens, but it was much more prevalent when I was an assistant and I would meet people out at at drinks and group social outings, whatever, there would inevitably be that like slick guy in a suit that would talk to you for two minutes, find out who you work for. I happened to work for Zach Penn, who is a fancy screenwriter. And so anytime I met, usually uh, men would find this information out and immediately give me their card and be like, oh, well, I've got this great script and you're going to love it. And, you know, we should, and I'm, <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, that's the equivalent of uh, going on a date and they're immediately like, so you, you down? Like, <laughs> you want to come back to my place? It's yeah, like, like, you're, you're not getting... even going to like buy me dinner first. Like, yeah. It's just rude. And it's, it's super squiffy. So don't do that. Like, just yeah. be a good person first. <laughs> Watch your entitlement. It's, it's so easy. We're, we all are so hungry as writers. We all want to do this so badly. But like, yes, especially dudes, watch your entitlement. It, it's I can sense it when someone starts talking to me and if they want to be a writer and they find out I'm a writer, like it can get really uncomfortable really fast. Yeah. Yeah. There's a fine line between confidence and arrogance. Confidence is so important. And it goes back to what Jess was saying about practicing and putting yourself out there. The more you do it, the more confident you'll be. Don't say, Oh, well, I'm not a real writer. I used to say that it's, it's not true. Be confident in talking about yourself and what you write and what you, what you want, what your ambitions are. But don't cross over into arrogance, which is, it's all about me. It's all about advancing my career. It's a two-way street. So you you want to get to know people and you, you build these relationships that eventually will lead to them wanting to help you because they like you. So like, let it get to there naturally. Yeah. And a little bit of flattery doesn't hurt. You know, like if they if they work for a company you like, talk about how impressed you are that they that they work there. If they write in a genre you like, you know, whatever it is, like your enthusiasm will go so far. 
everyone wants to feel like they're important. And if you treat someone like they're interesting and important, they're far more likely to want to continue the relationship and help you however they can. Yes. However, I would also sort of give a word of warning. Like some people are just going to be douchebags at these these things. Yeah. Like, um, I, I guess a lot of networking happens at mixers, um, just maybe larger parties. I don't know. But uh, at some of the mixers I've been to, people, they behave in very strange ways, especially if there's alcohol involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, be careful with your alcohol. Yes. Do not get sloppy. Have one, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> Just, you're going to need one. <laughs> and, yeah, you will want to have one. It's definitely a social lubricant. That's yeah. such a gross thing to say, but it's true. Uh, but don't have more than to like just don't do it yeah. it's not a good look you don't want to be the person that everyone remembers as being like very very sloppy like I yes just happened to a friend of mine and it's haunted her for the last few years it's totally fine if you don't drink that's actually something yeah. that's more common out here than people think i have been out on plenty of work drinks or networking events where the person didn't drink and that was completely fine only jerks will make you feel self-conscious about it and they're not worth networking with if that's the case yes totally agree with that Sometimes if people have been drinking too much and they want to meet you or they're just looking to meet as many people as possible, they will behave in strange and inexplicable ways. For example, I was having a conversation with several other lady screenwriters and a guy came up and we were having our conversation. We were not necessarily open to bringing in new people of the group because of the nature of what we were discussing. And he got angry at being ignored. So he stepped on my toes very hard. <laughs> what? Wow. So very, very hard. So That's... that I had to be like, ah, and I looked and everyone looked at him and then he just sort of stared at me. He didn't apologize. And then he got off my foot and then he sort of just inserted himself into the group and started talking to the people I would have been talking to. Jess, I want to stab this person. <laughs> I'm so angry. <laughs> I'm just saying oh that when this happens, don't take it personally and don't throw a fit. Just sort of understand that they're going to be assholes and then try to move yourself and your friends along. Entitlement, man. Entitlement is really gross. It's really gross and it's really real and it's really prevalent out here and it's becoming less and less acceptable, uh, which is great. Yeah. You don't want to accidentally come across that way. So try to, as best you can, be mindful of a situation when you walk into it. I know it's hard for a lot of people to read social signals. And um, if you're not sure, it's okay to ask politely and in a way that lets them say, like, actually, we're in the middle of something in a way that isn't going to hurt your feelings. You know, don't make it about you. It's harder to insert yourself into groups than it is to start a conversation one-on-one. Yeah. Jess and I met at a really large networking mixer. <laughs> that's our story. <laughs> yeah, that was our meet cute. And it was shocking that we actually managed to meet because there were so many people there. There were so many people there. So just really quick, the story was that after the WGA started this action that led to most of the WGA writers firing our agents last year, a lot of mixers were held to help writers meet other writers so they could do things for each other, so they could network and, and kind of fill in these blanks that firing agents had created. And I was at this event and I saw that someone who had been really helpful to me who I'd never met in person was there. And I basically just scoured this event until I found him. And he was talking to Jess. And Jess, you did this exactly right, I felt like. I, When you found out that I was writing a horror feature and you wanted to learn more about horror features, you asked if you could get in touch with me on like Twitter or something. Yeah. And we ended up having coffee off of that. It was great. And I want to say that's the first time I've ever done something like that where I've met a writer, heard that they were doing something that I wanted to know more about and just baldly said, hey, I would love to learn from you. Give me your contact information. (laughs) I did not expect it to work, to be honest, and yet it did. It totally did. (laughs) 
Well, the only thing I think writers love to talk about more than themselves is what they like to write. And writers love to talk about writing. So that's a really good way to get to know another writer is to just go out and say like, oh, I'd love to hear what you did and learn from you. Yes, absolutely. I also want to say that with Erica and me, when I got your contact info information, Erica, you were just about to go on your honeymoon, I think. Yep. I was off to Japan like two days later. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and you weren't going to be back for another month or so. Some, like a very long time. And so you had said, oh, just follow up with me. And I was very hesitant to do so because I was like, oh, she's not going to remember me and she's going to either ignore me or say she can't. But just by following up in that month, I put it in my calendar. I sent an email and Erica got back to me and said, yeah, let's meet. And it was yeah. that easy, guys. It was that easy. You yeah. just have to follow up. Yes. Oh, God. The the importance of following up if, if it goes well, or even if it goes mostly well, you know? Like, I, I've had people, the young kids today, <laughs> <laughs> I, I spoke at a group of, like, recently graduated NYU kids about pitching, and I told the, the mentors to feel free to give them my contact info. And of that group, only one person reached out, and she asked if we could have coffee. And I said, sure. And then I never heard from her again. If somebody says follow up with me, they mean it. I mean, I've definitely missed some opportunities to forge important connections and mentorships even. I remember I was in a writer's room with a female writer that I really looked up to and respected. And now she's she's really big and really up there. And I really wish I still knew her because I had, I'd reached out to her and said, I'd love to get coffee with you sometime. At the time, she said, you know, I'm actually going to be traveling for a while. But when I get back, you know, definitely reach out. And I told myself, oh, she doesn't really mean that. Like, she's busy. This is just her way of getting out of it. And I never reached out back to her again. And you can definitely impede your own progress by getting in your own head. Like if someone says follow up, follow up. Yeah. I think there's really there's two ways to network wrong, and that's to come on too strong and follow up too much, and then of course not not follow up enough and not be assertive enough. And I think everyone worries about this. You know, they want there to be an exact manual on how many times to follow up, when to do it, and there's not really there's suggestions, but it kind of it has to be on your own best judgment, unfortunately. I guess there could be though some guidelines, maybe like there's a girl that reaches out to me like every six months that I don't know her very well, but we did work together once and she will reach out and just say like, Hey, just touching base. How are you? Um, and then tell me what she's doing. And I think that's totally acceptable because now it's like, we've known each other so long just because she's, she's kept in touch this way that if she was to say, Hey, I'm actually up for a job and you work for this company, I'd be able to, say, oh yeah, I know her. I'll, I'll put in a good word for her. If it's somebody that you met five years ago and then they never follow up with you again, or they do it once, but it was like a month later, then you're going to kind of forget that person. So I think it's okay to, to keep following up or keep, keep in touch. The six months is like a good amount of space. If you, if you don't work with that person or know them socially, if you do, I guess it could be like, I don't know, what would you guys say if, 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 if you say, hey, follow up with me, but you don't give a designated time, what do you think is an appropriate amount of time to follow up? I think if I don't give a designated amount of time, I would be comfortable with about a month. You know, that's enough time for my situation to have changed. A lot of times if someone asks me to, for coffee or something like that, and I'm genuinely too busy, then yes, I'd like to hear from them in about a month. And I'd like to hear from them politely. I also think that a mistake people make is like, I'm not going to have coffee with you every month. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. 
Yeah. We're going to have coffee and then you can touch base with me every six months. Uh, and that's what I do with the people who, you know, like when I meet showrunners and stuff like that, unless we become legit friends, I will send the same email that you're getting, Hannah, from from your person, which is like every six months, here's here's what I'm up to, you know, and it's, yeah. it's asking nothing. It's just reminding you that I exist and that I like you and that you like me. Speaking of asking nothing... Don't send them your script. Mm-mm. Big no-no. Unless they ask for it. That's a big no-no. I don't even do that with people I know very well. Like I will I will say, hey, if I, I just finished a script. Like if you've got some time um, and if you have anything to read, I would be glad. And that's like people I know well and other writers that are my, my peers and we've given each other feedback before or we've talked about giving each other feedback. But if you're a new writer and you meet uh, someone that could potentially be your mentor, the fastest way to get them not to want to be your mentor is for you to out the gate say, hey, I met you at this mixer last night. You give me your card. It was so great to talk to you. Here's my script. Like, don't do that. Yeah. You need to create or foster that relationship a little bit further before you um, ask them something that big. Because reading a script is time consuming. Yeah. And giving notes is time consuming. Yeah. It's also asking someone to put themselves out there. Because like, if I read someone's script and it's not good, that's awful for me, to be honest. Like, I hate that situation. And like, that's the thing is, is I, if you send me your script, there's a possibility I'm not going to like it. And if I send someone a script, there's a possibility that they're not going to like it. And so like that puts a lot of pressure on the other person and your relationship needs to have a foundation for that to be okay. Yes. Don't send your script to someone that's like really high level until you have sent it to a bunch of your friends, your uh, coworkers, gotten lots of feedback done, like many, many drafts. Say you meet a higher level writer and they do say, you know what, I would love to read your writing, but you know in your heart it's it's kind of a first draft and you know it needs a polish. It's better to just say, thank you so much for asking to read my scripts. Can I please take you up on that in about a month when I I finished it? I've had a chance to really polish it. That is so much better than sending something that you know in your heart is not ready to be read by somebody who could one day help you get a job. 100%. Also, a really big no-no is if the person you're networking with is considerate enough to read your script. Don't send them a script. And then a few days later, say, oh, I made some revisions. Read this one instead. Don't ever do that. Yeah. Now, um, the term I like is bulletproof for sending out scripts to someone who is a few levels above you. What Hannah was saying about having people read it, like no one's ever going to have no notes, right? You're never going to get everyone to agree the script is perfect. But a bulletproof script, it means that all the notes you're getting back are very small and can be attributed to taste. You're not getting back notes about your structure, your characters, you know, like big picture things. That's when your script is bulletproof. And that's when you, the only time you should send it to someone whose help you are hoping to receive or to reps, for instance, like never, never do that. Speaking of reps, if you are networking with someone and you know that person is repped at a place that you particularly like, do not ask, oh, can you introduce me to your people? Because if they like your script, they will do that. They mm-hmm. will say, hey, I thought this was great. I, I might not be right for me, but there's another agent at this company or a manager that this would be totally right for. Do you mind if I send it to them? Yeah. If your script is really great, then whoever you've sent it to, it will reflect well on them to send it out. So our, our listeners may be wondering, okay, you guys are talking about networking and how important it is. But you're also saying, if my script isn't ready, then I shouldn't send it to somebody that I just went out and networked with. So when is the right time? The point of networking is to make that initial meeting. It's probably not going to be the last 
time you interact with this person in your career. You want to make a good first impression when you're at a mixer or you're at a drinks and you meet this person. You're trying to foster a relationship that's going to last for a while. That's the point of it. And so even if you only reach out to them every six months, even if you only see them once a year, the important thing is if it's not quite time yet, don't try to go from A to Z in the first meeting or your first coffee even. You want to go from A to B to C and, and, you know, and let it get there naturally. I feel like a lot of, especially younger writers I meet, it's like they expect me to be the rocket ship that will propel them to immediate success and fame. Hmm. A question that I've gotten from, I want to say 70% of the young writers I meet are like, so how do I become a showrunner in five years? Wow. Wow. I get that question all the time. And it's like, well, if I knew that, I would be utilizing it. I know, right? Right. <laughs> be like, you tell me, will you please ask everyone in town to report back with the answer? Because I would love to know. Exactly. I just, I feel like with networking, it's it's sort of like bricklaying. You know, networking is just laying the bricks one at a time, one at a time. And eventually you'll build yourself a pretty nice house. But it just takes time. It, just because you want the thing to happen immediately does not mean it's going to. You just have to be ready. Yeah. And I think one of the things that gets overlooked with networking is everyone wants to focus on networking with showrunners, with the highest level of producers. Network with the people who are at the same level with you. Mm -hmm. If you're trying to break in as a writer, then network with assistants who are trying to break in as agents. You will all hopefully rise together. And that relationship is going to do you so much more good than some showrunner who reads your script and then forgets about you. That mentor relationship that is so, I don't even know the word, but like it's so touted, I guess, is like, those, those things don't necessarily happen as much as they used to. Yeah. There are some showrunners who are taking people under wing for sure. But like a lot of times you get your mentorship from a lot of different places. And some of that mentorship comes from people who are on the same level as you and learning at the same time in the same rate you are just in different areas. Yeah, absolutely. I have a question for you guys, which is we're talking about how to network well. Can you guys speak to some ways that you have gained opportunities for yourself to network that you have put yourself in the position where you can even meet people that you would like to meet? Yeah, I thought of this earlier. You don't just network at mixers and industry events. Like I was saying earlier, I think if you're a writer, don't like keep it a secret, like <laughs> talk about it and talk about the fact that you like writing and you what you like to write and what shows you're watching. So I was on a soccer team a couple of years ago and this girl that was on my team, she said, oh, I'm a writer. You're a writer too. We should like start a writer's group. And my other, you know, this other girl on the team, our goalie, she's also a writer. And we ended up being in a writer's group together for like three years. And I had been the kind of person that was like, I don't want to make people, I don't want to be weird and be like, I'm a screenwriter. But she was so confident that she was just like, oh yeah, I'm a writer. Oh, you write too? That's great. Let's let's talk about writing and let's let's share our scripts together. And so we all kind of rose together, this little group of, of soccer players. And she got into the Warner Brothers program a year ahead of me. And so when I was applying, she gave me the most invaluable advice. She put in a good word for me. I may not have gotten into the program if not for her. So you never know where those networking opportunities are going to come. So, you know, just always kind of keep it in the back of your mind that anybody you meet could be a potential ally in your journey. I love that. That's an amazing story. Yeah. I feel like I don't really put myself out there that often, but the few times that I have, magic has happened. So nice. it's really, I, I feel like a sign that I should be doing it more. And yet I am I'm very uh, thick and I just choose not to. <laughs> um, so like, yeah, one of those times has been when I met Erica, which has become a very good relationship. And now um, like we've sent each other material and she gives great notes and that has helped me tremendously. Same. I would say 
Another thing that is useful is when you do meet writers, don't turn down an opportunity to meet other writers. So I have a writer friend who loves game nights, loves a good game. Mm -hmm. And I was very terrified of going to these game nights because I didn't know anybody. But I forced myself to go one night and there were a bunch of writers there. The place was lousy with writers. And I left with a bunch of contact information. And out of all of those people that I met, yes, like a lot of them we didn't necessarily gel, but I did retain a few good relationships there that I keep to this day. So it's just one of those things that you just have to continuously put yourself out there. And even if you don't feel comfortable doing it, just know this is part of your job. It's not about being social. It's not about looking cool. It's just this is part of your job as a screenwriter. And it's so important to do that early in your career too, because now that I'm a working writer, I'm so grateful that I have the opportunity to meet other writers when I work in a writer's room and when I go to like WGA events, but there's not that many other opportunities to meet other writers anymore because a lot of the writers at my level and above, they don't really want to go out to drinks. Like they've either got kids or, or they're married or they're exhausted from working all day. When you're a younger writer in this business and like when I was a you know 25 year old assistant I had the energy and the time and the means to go out after work which I now have literally do not have the energy for that but I have to force myself to do it <laughs> but you know when I was younger and when I was an assistant I was going out all the time and I made I forged so many important relationships that I still have to this day um, where at the time we were all assistants and so it was like we didn't even have to really try to put ourselves out there it was just kind of happening naturally and those opportunities to network naturally they kind of I don't know about you guys, but they, they do kind of evaporate as, as you get both older and uh, uh, higher in your, in your career. So take those opportunities when you can get them because they, they don't really come that easily, you know, the longer you, you're working in this business. Yeah, I think that's really well said. Um, as, you, as you keep working, then those young and hungry people are kind of coming after you. <laughs> you know, and right. that's as right. it should be. So I have a question for you guys, because I think both of you are a little bit, if not a lot more extroverted than I am. <laughs> Do you guys have like, I don't know, a series of tips or like a how-to guide for how you meet people? My number one tip, if you can, is bring a friend. I have a friend who is way more extroverted than me. I am pretty extroverted. Like I'm, I'm pretty comfortable in social situations, but I don't particularly love going up to a stranger and being like, Hey, I'm Hannah. What's your name? What do you do? Like it, I feel awkward. I have a friend who has absolutely no problem doing that. And so any opportunity I get, I bring her to these things and I'm like, this is great. You do the work of breaking the ice and I'll like come in with the, I don't know what I bring to the table, but you know, like, or if you see that there's an event happening and you might know somebody that's going to be there, say, Hey, are you going to this event? Let's meet up. Maybe we'll carpool. Um, it just makes things a lot easier when there's two of you don't just talk to each other, like absolutely force yourselves to branch out and talk to people, but it helps to, to have somebody else there. Yeah. If you can. I think that is 100% the best advice. I, I have a friend who I usually hit up for these kind of things too. Although I want to talk a little bit about right now where we can't go out and do things. Um, mm -hmm. I feel like in the last year, year and a half, there's been just a huge amount of increase in connection on social media, especially on Twitter. So I want to just draw awareness to hashtags of like pre-WGA writers and I think um, hashtag pipeline writers. There are people out there who are 
looking to connect who are either at that that pre-WGA level or who are looking to read people who are up and coming, especially diverse writers. I don't care if you hate Twitter, get on Twitter. You know, if you want to be read, if you want to meet people in this community, get online, follow people like Javi, Gria Machuach, and Liz Alper, uh, and all these, all these amazing people who are, one, offering advice, and two, if you comport yourself well, can become connections. That's something that's worked really well for me in the last year is being cool online. <laughs> See, the way that Jess is about social situations is the way I am about Twitter. It like gives me hives. I hate it so much. I'm so, I feel like I'm so bad at it, but it is important and it's a muscle that you can develop. It is important to get on Twitter and start to get comfortable, follow people, see who are um, writers that you admire, showrunners, screenwriters, whoever that you know, retweet a couple things that they said. And then if they say something and they're like, hey, anyone have tips on pitching and you have one, like put it on their thread, like start to get more comfortable, like dip your toe in and and then start swimming around. But Twitter is hugely important. Just do it. Just get over it. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) And, you know, if you're looking to get staffed, then I know the WGA Solidarity Challenge is over now, unfortunately, but like showrunners are still reading. You know, people are still reading. I'm still reading. I have an open invitation to ask me advice or ask me to read within reason. And a lot of mid-level writers are doing the same. I was helped on Twitter. I want to give back. That is true of a lot of people on there right now. Well, I think we have wrapped up this discussion pretty well. So please follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at Untitled Female. You can connect with us there or email us at untitledfemaledrivenpodcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you and tell us what you would like to hear us talk about. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) Yay! Thanks, guys. Bye!